0: Following is a repeat show that was previously broadcast on Unity FM
1: as alaikum, Welcome to Parenting Hour. You're tuned in to Unity FM 93.5, the heart of the city here in Birmingham. Alhamdulillah, we're here with you today on the 3rd of April live and uh, it's great to be here. Alhamdulillah. I don't know if that's significant for you listeners tuned in today but I'm sure a lot of you have heard or seen the messages going around the internet. They're flying around. About uh, bad things and about good things as Muslims, and what should we be doing today? And there are some instances that did get reported, um, to and were reported to the police about uh, issues that were happening to Muslims. If you have an opinion on this and would like to get involved in today's conversation, please do ring in on oh one two one double seven two double eight nine two. That's oh one two one double seven two double eight nine two, or you can text us on oh seven nine two six eight four three three double eight. Or email unityfm.net. Um, it's great he, being here with you in the studio, mashallah. And alhamdulillah, today I was a little bit more vigilant, I suppose, uh, on my way in. But I try to be that way every day and, and you know, do our du'as and remember what we're doing, inshallah. And uh, remember when we're getting to the car that uh, that we say our du'a there and we say our du'a in the morning time. And remember Allah along the journeys. And inshallah, Allah will help us no matter whether it is the 3rd of April or the 3rd of May or the 3rd of June the 30th we should be doing this every day um but also i have in the studio i just came into the studio and subhanallah here was somebody that I hadn't seen for years i can't believe i hadn't seen him for so long it seems like only yesterday that he's left the studio uh, he used to be here with unity fm and he's back from abroad and i said come in and let's talk to you about your your work abroad so mm-hmm. salam alaykum well
2: alaikum salam nice to be here again
1: A lovely being here in unity fm and parenting hour how's it been back
2: Uh, It's okay. To be honest, uh, this might sound strange, but the weather's great. I love the weather.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because it's nice and cool here compared to the heat?
2: Yes, absolutely. There's that. And also the air is so fresh compared to out there, which is something that you don't actually think about. But Hmm. to be honest, that's the main thing for me.
1: Really fresh air. So tell the listeners, where have you been?
2: Um, So for the last seven months, I've been working in Doha in Qatar as a year three primary teacher.
1: Mm, are you enjoying that
2: yes it's great it's a great gig can't Mm. complain yeah
1: good good and how many children do you have in the class
2: i teach 26 children and so the school is uh called english modern school Mm -hmm. it's a school designed for um arabic children whose parents want them to learn english Mm -hmm. so the way it works is they do the cambridge international curriculum Mm um and the curriculum is taught in English, so the subjects that they would learn anyway at school, they're learning the same things, but just in English. Um, so the idea, therefore, is that they pick up English as they're, you know, going through their schooling years. Mm-hmm.
1: Great. And have you come across anything like this was happening here in the UK, um, maybe it's happening over actually in Doha as well. I don't know if this is a worldwide message or if it's just a UK message about this should we mention Kill a Muslim Day, it's what is doing or torture mm-hmm. Muslim Day or um, you get so many points for doing things. I think initially actually it started off as a love a Muslim day and for Muslims <laughs> to do things nice and that encouraged them to do things nice, but then it got reversed completely to to doing bad things. Have well, you heard about that?
2: That's a shame. I mean, I have seen it, but mm. I mean, you'd never get anything like that out there, obviously, mm. um, because it is a Muslim country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And the other thing is that um, things are very kind of sheltered. You know, everything's diverse out there, mm. cosmopolitan. Everybody's out there to work, so you don't really get... There's not really such a kind of civic society out there, really, um, mm. because everybody's just there to work. The majority of the population are foreigners that do not really consider the country their home so they're not really fussed about politics they're just there to kind of earn their money and then go home mm. so you probably would never get anything like that uh, out there mm. anyway so not really but I have seen you know on social media and so on mm. what's been going on
1: So you, you probably wouldn't have seen that but you might have come across or heard of maybe not in your primary school uh, maybe in other schools of um, bullying issues going on and uh, children um Maybe uh, you know trying to uh, suffering from different things or or abuses or even internet things, you know now that they 're pulled into so much mm-hmm. things online that they're being bullied if, whether cyberbullying or face to face bullying have you come across any of those things are are things better over there than you than you think at this side of the world
2: oh uh, in terms of that i 'd say things are probably more or less the same. Mm-hmm. I definitely know that in my school um there are bullying issues that go on. And they often do revolve around social media. And also there's a lot of issues on so- social media where, um, for example, a picture might be taken in school and then that gets put on social media and then it gets spread around and people start saying things about it. Um, you know, and that mm-hmm. causes problems. And so there are there are things like that that, that go on. Um, definitely, yeah. In fact, we had... Um, I found out we started an anti-bullying program in the school and I found out that the reason why we started that in the first place was because there was a recorded increase in issues that happened um, this year so we, we had to respond to it so yeah.
1: Wow, it's so kind of law. I just have actually in my hand something that you might be interested in. I picked it up coming out the door. Um, I only bought it this week. It's new off the shelf. It's Mm. called Mug and Me, which means my magdela, which is the part of the brain that actually reacts when you are in uh, unsafe situations. Right. So it's the part of the brain that tells you whether to freeze, fight or... Or flee, you know. Oh, they I see. Are, are, yes, yeah. are the uh, the Fs that we all go into automatically, and it's a lovely little book. For, it's written for actually young children. You might be interested, mm-hmm. and might want to see it afterwards. Um, of what what is your magnicilla force? Where in the brain is it? Um, how how it reacts in what ways? When does it tell you to to freeze? When does it tell you to beat uh, to fight? When does it tell you not to do these things? And it mm-hmm. explains about the brain. I passed it over to you, and mm-hmm. and subhanAllah you know even as I was looking through which I was thinking how blessed we are as human beings to be created like this. That um, Allah has made us in such a way that our brains actually react before we can think. So, it can imagine if you mm-hmm. face a f- fearful situation, or if you're a child being bullied, and as a child you don't know how should I think, how what should I do, what should I do, but you actually your brain automatically goes into that. Your heart starts beating faster automatically mm-hmm. to get to go quicker. Your breathing starts increasing t- automatically so you can run out of the situation. So all these things happen automatically. It's law, which is unbelievable, isn't it? That our body automatically goes into that fight or flight or freeze mode. Mm. Um, so is this something you can teach children over there?
2: Yeah, well, see, the thing is, in our school, my school counsellor and my assistant principal are both um, from the States and mm-hmm. they're very much into this kind of thing. And they started something called the Second Step programme, mm-hmm. which we have one timetabled lesson on it each week. Mm-hmm. And it is very much this kind of stuff. Um getting them to i suppose develop a bit of metacognition because it 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 kind of we discuss emotions we discuss uh like i'll give them a scenario that they've probably experienced like something happening on the playground or somebody took something that belongs to them or Mm -hmm. and we'll kind of go through step by step discuss how does this person feel and how do you think they should react and so we do have a lot of that going on yeah yeah, so that's good. Is really
1: good because we need to teach children at a young age, you know, relating it to today and what we're talking about today in our, our topic today, listeners, if mm-hmm. you've only just tuned in, Assalamualaikum, welcome to Unity FM, welcome to Parenting Hour. Um, my name is Kathleen roach and I'm here with Will in the studio, who's just come back on holidays from Doha and he's uh, talking about his experiences there. But we're linking in his experiences to what's happening here in the UK on the 3rd of April, where a lot of you have seen the messages going around of um, do something to Muslims today and we were thinking about how we can teach our children and adults to be more prepared for these things, to be, to understand how to react if you feel, if you have that gut feeling that something's not quite right here in my surroundings, you know where you're an adult or a child and you may be a child in the playground or doing something a bit risky that you feel have those feelings but it's okay to feel like that because Mm. it's okay to be scared because you ha- you know you're in a safe place and you want to do this or you want to go on that slide or whatever and you have a choice over it. But sometimes mm. there's no choice over it. Maybe there's, there's a gang of other young children around you or for adults, a gang of a group of people coming towards them and they get that feeling, something not quite right here. These feelings are not right and mm. they don't know how to react and they might often, if you don't know that these are feelings of unsafe, push them away and think, oh that's silly, I'm being silly you know, nothing will happen to me. Whereas if you do understand them then you can put something into motion so that you are able to either run away or you're able to ring pick up the phone and make that call or you're able to do something about it Mm. so it's important to to do that Mm. so do you think that so that's what you're doing already in the school
2: yeah 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 definitely um and it's interesting the thing you said about um uh adults themselves possibly not even being able to do this because sometimes i'm teaching these lessons to the, the kids yeah and then i kind of think Uh, And it's a humbling experience actually Because you think I'm trying to teach them this skill Maybe it's empathy Maybe it's something else Mm -hmm. But am I even Have I even mastered this myself? Mm. You know So that's interesting And I think that this phenomenon of like These kind of to me Silly, immature When you even reflect on it for five minutes You think it's ridiculous things How do they even happen? You know like that How do they even get spread around? And I think it's because of this kind of Immaturity that people haven't even Grown up Enough to be able yeah. to not, you know, to be able to not realize that these things are just ridiculous. You know? And
1: you're not the only teacher, actually. That um, that's a very self-reflective of you. That you're not, and mm. you're not the only teacher to say that because I remember teaching these things in school mm. um, over a, few, a period of time a few years ago, and teachers were coming to me saying the very same things. How can we teach this topic when we ourselves don't understand? <laughs> <laughs> I think we have a caller on, on the line. I just go to, uh, is it line one? Line two. Assalamu alaykum. As-salamu alaykum. No nobody online too. Hello? Hello, assalamu alaykum. Wa alaykum as-salam. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Good, good indeed. Um we're talking here this evening about um safety linked to, to today, the 3rd of April. The that uh, we have had a lot of messages going around in, um, uh, that's affecting people and to be aware of things. And Will, who is in the studio with me, has been talking about uh, children abroad. He works in Doha and he was been talking about his lessons and how he tries to teach children to be aware of their surroundings and of safety and teach them
0: empathy. Do you have uh, comments to make around this? Um, uh, just to introduce myself, my name is Neelam Fida and I'm the Child Protection and Inclusion Advisor at Islamic Relief Worldwide. Oh, mashallah, uh, Neelam. Welcome to Unity FM.
1: Lovely hearing <laughs> you.
0: Thank you very much. Um, and in my capacity and my role, uh, which is predominantly in the humanitarian sector and um, often in situations where there's a crisis, Um, We really think uh, and and believe that there is an importance of having child participation. Um, Often you'll find adults making decisions on behalf of children, and usually they don't really speak to children. Um, And this might be down to the lack of training adults have on how to engage children and ensure that their voices are being heard and ensure... um, initiatives are designed to meet their needs uh, but also sometimes it's an oversight, there's a crisis um, there's a need to respond, there's a need to ensure that children are protected and um, that certain things are put in place Um, and in some situations there's more harm being done than good Mm -hmm. so um, I, I think it's absolutely crucial that where possible Um, child participation, um, getting children's viewpoints um, uh, across and and really get to the depth of how we can um, engage initiatives around their needs that speak to them, that they feel that they can uh, engage on. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important because we know from numerous pieces of research that the first thousand days of a child's life is instrumental, and if they face any harm during those first thousand days of their being, um, that's irreversible damage that they that they can be exposed to in some situations. Um, so it's really important that where possible, I know in, it's not possible in all situations, but in most situations, it's um, it's important to ensure that we have their engagement. Hmm.
1: It's true indeed. And and um, Will, you probably would agree with this, of what Neelam is saying about engaging with children.
2: Well, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I suppose what she's saying would probably be more viable in um, long term sort of development projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine that in a disaster zone, things are just happening so fast that... You know, unfortunately, just the reality is that things like that will just slip through the cracks. But definitely, in the long run and in longer-term projects, then yeah, that's definitely something that's um, kind of a no-brainer, I suppose.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we should, and we should be, as we were mentioning, teaching children this, like what you're doing, it from an early age, from nearly start as part of the curriculum, is understanding themselves. Oh, how do you um, do this, Neil? I mean, your opinion. You know, you're working worldwide with Islamic Relief, mashallah, uh doing working in a lot of countries. What, what can you tell us how can you advise us
0: um I think it, it really depends on um, the, the it depends on the context um, that you're in so for example work that we've done in uh, the South Asia um, region um, engaging the communities and trying to get them to um, ensure child engagement is there ensuring children's voices are being heard, and um, their needs are being met, it's 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 not impossible, but it does require uh, a lot more um, day-to-day engagement and it also involves a lot more um, community-based mechanisms. So, for example, speaking to faith leaders has been instrumental in our engagement around uh, child protection and child engagement. Um, particularly in areas of the country where the only form of education is the madrasa, and in those in those situations, the madrasa system has been set up in a way where you may have um, uh, a, an older child, so someone of the age of maybe fourteen and fifteen, leading classes, and they haven't received any formal training, they haven't received any um, specific skills, so. It's just basically behaviour that they see from their um, teacher that they then adopt and then subject younger children to. And that's why you'll probably see in some situations peer-on-peer abuse because there has been no training there. Um, And so when we started working with faith leaders, we've actually gone through an extensive training course with them on what child protection is, how can we ensure a protective environment for children, how can we empower children and where there are no formal mechanisms to protect children, what what informal mechan- mechanisms can be developed through community-based action teams or community-based uh, mobilisation teams to develop those mechanisms. So in South Asia that's been absolutely uh, fantastic. Um, in the atmosphere of continents, um, particularly I would say around Kenya, Mali and Malawi, where I've been working, um, we've looked at integrated approaches mm-hmm. to um, uh, engaging children. And again, um, speaking with faith leaders, speaking with um, uh, female faith leaders in the madrasa system, community activists has been really, really important because you can imagine in these contexts, that we're working in, Um, access to school is limited, access to resources is limited, often there's no formal mechanism in which you can monitor families or monitor um, education, so we've used these informal mechanisms to first of all uh, build their capacity so that they can actually um, be effective in their engagement when it comes to um, child protection or child uh, child participation and where that hasn't been um, <coughs> as effective as we've hoped then we've integrated this approach to maybe one or two of our other projects so um, we've got some microfinance initiatives, we've got some um, hygiene initiatives and through those uh, particular projects we've built in components around child engagement, child protection and child education so It becomes part and parcel of everyday norm and we know that change in behavior doesn't occur um, you know over a certain number of months it's a long-term achievement that we're trying to aim for so um, integrated approach has been very fruitful in the Middle East region what we've done is utilize child-friendly spaces so in Lebanon Jordan, uh, we've been working quite extensively with Syrian refugee children, Mm -hmm. and we've set up child-friendly spaces where, in the first instance, we try and just provide them with a space where they can play and enjoy their childhood, considering some of the atrocities that they may have witnessed. And through that kind of play, we start bringing about um, uh, start addressing some of the core needs so if they've got trauma that needs to be addressed and we bring in the specialists that would be able to provide the psychosocial interventions. Um, some children need um, education intervention as a form of therapy. So there's a numerous interventions that we bring into action to help these young children.
1: Well, mashallah a lot of work there and a lot of I love the processes that you're putting in place of trying to change cultures in every respect uh, indeed so it's not just giving a talk or a lecture but it's uh, really enforcing this on the ground with, with the work that you're doing as well um, and having child friendly spaces is great to, for children to be able to go to and the other things in the other countries as well Mashallah the peer peer support a lot of what you're mentioning actually we I had a quick chat just to Will before we came into the studio and so it reminded me some of the things that you were talking about Will there about changing cultures, it is mm. it is hard to change cultures, you can see Islamic Relief Mashallah, a big organisation Neelam Mashallah is doing so much work there Mashallah she's really pushing for these changes and her team Mashallah and, and what they're doing on the ground um, and trying to change cultures, you, you just mentioned to me there before we came into the studio about a child that maybe didn't get 10 out of 10 in spelling or didn't get full marks for something, how that they may be afraid going home because they didn't get the top mark yeah you've come across some things like this yeah this
2: is a common a common issue that we have which i suppose Mm -hmm. would come under the issue of safeguarding over here although that doesn't Mm -hmm. really exist there but Mm -hmm. we classify it that way common issue we have is there's a certain culture amongst um certain demographics that we have in the school Mm -hmm. whereby the parents are extremely strict when it comes to education Mm -hmm. and i can understand why because for them um Education is the key to, you know, having having a kind of stable life so I can understand why they have that mindset. But then the way they kind of instill that in the children is is questionable because they tell the children, you must be the best. You must be the best. You must get 100 percent. And if you don't, you're in trouble, in big trouble. And so you do sometimes get occasionally a child who is. Scared stiff to not get 100% because they know if they take that test home and it says 9 out of 10 or like 25 out of 26 mm-hmm. or whatever, then something's going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. It could be something's going to get taken away from them or it could be that even physical things will happen to them like they might get beaten up or given mm-hmm. a bit of a, a whack, you know, mm-hmm. and, well, and and told... Next week, we don't want to see this. Um, So, that's happened in my class. I've had things like that happen, and you wouldn't think it. When you meet the parents, you would never expect this of them, but nevertheless. It happens. So. Wow, that's
1: really hard. And that's something, of course, we're totally against uh, in approachable parenting and p- looking at parenting styles there that uh, that teaching and trying to do something similar to what Neelam is saying, actually change cultures. And it does take time to change cultures, to, to be looking at yourself and to explore yourself and think, why am I doing this? I can, yeah, we can see that all our children, we want them to do the best. But mm. uh, doing the best out of fear and out of punishment is uh, not going to... Achieve anything and um, we should all kind of work on that Neelam what what advice would you give Will in a situation like that?
0: Um, I I just want to also share an experience I had uh, Mm -hmm. where I was delivering a um, a three-day workshop with faith leaders in Kenya Mm -hmm. and we had faith leaders from all parts of Kenya attending the training and when we started speaking about corporal punishment um, which In in certain contexts, it's part and parcel of a child's um, growth and learning that they learn through physical violence. And this one faith leader um, was sharing how a parent had brought their child to him. And there's a saying there where um, the, the flesh is yours and the bone is mine. And basically what this parent was saying is you can beat my child up black and blue As long as you give me his bones, that's like you don't kill him. And I was mortified when I heard this, because I'm thinking you're you're sending your child to learn about a beautiful religion, and the only association this child is going to have is the physical violence that was attached to it, and the complete fear. To avoid the violence, you have to learn and memorise the Qur'an. So and
1: that's not something in our Islam where Islam is a, itself no. is a religion of peace and the Prophet Islam never hit a woman or child so it's not an Islamic trait so how did you manage that? So, uh,
0: I mean, we, you have to remember that these are learned people so mm. I completely changed the setting of that session mm. so I got them to sit together um, and, and we, we kind of really unpacked the purpose behind the, the, or the reasoning behind corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. and in some settings it was just a learned behavior so this is mm. the way that that teacher was taught by being smart and you know um, by being forced to learn and spend hours and hours in a very confined space and for other faith leaders they they were against the idea completely because like you said it's not in our faith teaching it's not the practice of the prophet peace be upon him mm-hmm. nowhere has there been that sort of encouragement in any shape or form and there is this understanding of um, that if a child doesn't pray by the age of 10 that you must beat them all. There is some justification that people pull towards but if you look in the Quran itself there is no wording, no teaching that speaks that language.
1: Yeah. And as we come up to a commercial break, and we're coming into a commercial break, Neelam, that is a lovely sentence to actually end with that coming into the commercial break. I don't know if you're able to stay on the line until yes, after this yes. break. Okay, inshallah, we'll come back to you
0: after this commercial break. And listeners, do tune into us, inshallah, after this break.